G'day, welcome to episode 34 of Mission Control. Daryl, how are you doing? Hi, good thanks. Good, good. Uh, we're here with Andy Jones from Pyramesh and you Morpheus Management. Yes, yes. that's who and uh, the King Onion. King Onion. King Onion, yeah. <laughs> How's things? Yeah, fantastic and thanks a lot guys. Thanks for the opportunity and thanks for having me in. Really appreciate it. No worries. Yeah. Um, where did you get the name King Onion? Is, is there any reference to King Parrot? Yes. Oh, on the way here, I was so hoping you guys could ask this. <laughs> It's a bit of a long story, but I'll, I'll, I'll keep it as short as possible. Um, no, keep it as long as possible. Well, we, I we have that's all the purpose the of this, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Anyways, okay. <laughs> when I first met my wife, I went over to pick her up. I like this already. <laughs> to go on our first date. And her brother and his mates were mucking around and carrying on like crazy buggers in the uh, in the family room there. They'd just been in a vacant lot uh, frolicking around doing, doing what boys do. <laughs> And sitting there in the vacant lot uh, was a, an onion. It had actually a massive onion that had just <laughs> randomly grown. And so these kids were walking around this house just screaming out, Oh, King Onion! At the top of their freaking lungs over and over and over. And I'm standing there going, Okay, this will be an interesting relationship. But yeah, six years of marriage. I mean, we've been together 11 years, so... That was a sign that it was going to work, right? That's it, yeah. I dedicate my marriage to the King Onion. (laughs) But yeah, ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, it was actually Amy's idea to call the band King Onion. I can certainly not take that away from her. Uh, We were sitting there, yeah, my last birthday just gone, sitting there in in the Swan Valley. Having a few as you do, and yeah, the idea, we okay, we had a, a booking for Pyramesh uh, to play at the Rosemount Hotel on the 27th of December, and that fell through because our bass player, Joel, uh, he went on a holiday to Bali with his with his girlfriend, and we held on to the booking, and Luke from Sweet Mate, he books the, the Rosemount, he goes, look mate, yep, if you've got an idea for a show, just come, come back to us, because, you know, it's that sort of time of the year where people are away so if we put on a show great if we don't no big deal um amy had the idea that we do a covers night and i thought perfect uh so we got uh, a few bands interested uh but we couldn't find a headliner and so the idea yeah amy sort of came with the idea of saying well you know because you can't get a headliner why don't you just put a headliner together from headlining acts so we approached ash ducourt and through the idea of him in fact yeah it Sort of, it, it, it eventuated from sitting down in the Swan Valley after a few drinks with him. And yeah, Amy goes, let's call this band King Onion. And click. Ash just went, yes, that is a fantastic, fantastic name for a band. Yeah. And then we went about recruiting. And obviously, uh, I've got a fairly uh, good relationship with Alex Lasseter, the guitarist in Pyramish. So mm. went straight to him and asked if he could uh, play guitar. And Ash was saying, well, my brother Brendan's been dying. Uh, to play in a band for I don't know how long because he was playing in a band called Terminal back in the day and that really was the only stage Uh, experience that he had. With Sam Sam Allen? Sam Allen and uh, Brendan. Brendan, uh, yeah. Bayou. Yep, 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 cool. Yeah, and yeah, uh, I'm waffling a bit, but uh, yeah, um, we approached, oh, Ash said, look, I know two guys who would be dying to get into this project and they would just love it. Hmm. Uh, So yeah, Joel Birch. uh, Enter Joel Birch. Probably one of the, the talisman of the uh, of the band. Uh, really, really fantastic in his uh, is in his demeanour and approach to everything. And Aaron Bridgman as well. 
Cool. Uh, so yeah, from uh, Mercurial, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Cool. Uh, yeah, all amazingly talented blokes. So, yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, we get together every now and then and uh, rehearse. And, yeah, we've got a few shows in the pipeline. Um, and, yeah, the, the latest show that we did uh, was actually a glam night uh, that was called Hair. I saw I the photos, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you look amazing in the wig, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was a real guilty pleasure, I've got to say. Like You loved able, it, didn't you? You, I, you I absolutely loved it. loved it. Yeah. It was fucking fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> the um uh, the, that new metal night at the Rosemount that was, was that, awesome. I was there. That was, that really was good a good show. That was great. So yeah. I think the song selection just summed up perfectly the new metal sort of yeah vibe of it. Well, I, I was kind of expecting it to. I don't know. Just you know, when you hear covers, you're like, oh, great covers. But every, every song, like you adapt your vocals adapted to every cover that you were doing, like the Ramstein one and mm. you know the Slipknot one. And, like, if you close your eyes, I was saying to Nick, my friend that was with me, like, if you close your eyes for, like, 10 seconds, you can kind of imagine that band is there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it, it was, like, executed really well. Yeah. So I think, thanks, I think thanks, yeah. Throughout, throughout the night, as the songs went through, I think my bone got bigger and bigger <laughs> with the song selection. Yeah. When, I, when I heard um, Korn... Freak on a Leash. Freak on a Leash, and then got the life, I think that's yeah. when I sort of sprayed myself. It was fucking... <laughs> that was great. How yeah. old are you, man? Huh? How old are you? 29. 29, right, yeah. Mm. So I'm 31 <laughs> and, you know, sort of that, that corn era for me was huge because yeah, yeah. growing up, I just worshipped corn. Yeah. 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 Amazing band. That's why I had dreadlocks. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you look killer, man, with those things. <laughs> monkey. We used, to, we used to have a like a little joke that you looked exactly like Monkey. From yeah, corn. he was my doppelganger, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and you had the killer freaking eye makeup and stuff like, mm. yeah, the guy liner. That looked sick, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's why I, almost, I shed a bit of a tear at Soundwave when Corn came out. It's like, fuck. Oh, I need my hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, you would have. Eh? Was head there? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that, yeah that, so he's, oh. he's back, right, after yeah, his yeah. old Christian thing, right? Yeah. Right. I think yeah. he's still that way uh, spiritually, I think he is. Yeah, yeah, but he just, um, I guess the money was too good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Well, from what I understand, they're treating it like a full-time job now, Corn. Like, yeah, They'll true. go out on the road. I think they've got themselves on contracts. So this is just a guess, but yeah. it sounds like they've got some KPIs in place to make sure that their live shows go accordingly, mm. and uh, they're hitting all the benchmarks. Yeah, yeah, because they, their work ethics and, like, insane like john davis is always producing stuff or working on stuff mm. he's done heaps of soundtracks like queen of the dams is one of my favorite soundtracks i think yeah, yeah that's a really good soundtrack the one thing i always try and think about is so you think about corn as the band you mm-hmm. know well minus david now whoever's drumming i don't know um but like who's behind the band in terms of say management does anyone have an idea of who's no. who controls the band sort of thing? No. Not no. really, no. <laughs> it's no. like that sort of the secret shadow of the band. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But well, yeah, I mean, ultimately you do need that uh, person with that A, foresight, and B, ability to see the band from the top down. Mm. Because, mm. I know, I certainly look at a band from the bottom up, I just think, far out, I've got to write all these vocals, or I've got to learn these vocals, or whatever, um, just to get a performance underway. But, yeah, you really need to have someone sort of helping to row the boat in the right direction mm, and yeah. making sure that every single one of the band members is sort of, you know, uh, pulling their weight and, mm. and and sharing the vision. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I just think, cause it, you know, Corn isn't like a, a rowboat, you know, they're like a bloody cruise liner. Um, no. <laughs> they're like a oh, massive, yeah. you know, they're, you know, that's sort of a yeah, big I think thing, it, you know, if I'm talking Sometimes about. I forget yeah. how big they are. 
and the impact that they made because no one was doing that like literally no one was doing that sound with the whole seven string mm, tune yeah. down to a like that was insane and even like steve Vai, like in an interview said you know he had to pull over the car when he heard blind oh, yeah. because it was the heaviest thing he'd ever heard yeah that, that was like, the um that classic video where steve Vai's actually jamming jamming with monkey head yeah, in yeah, the yeah. Studio. that was yeah. off the um Follow the later bonus, yeah, yeah, bonus, yeah. bonus CD. I used yeah. to watch that religiously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, and oh man, yeah, I, I live in regret because I held an open house party at the age of uh, fifteen or sixteen or something, which was ridiculous because it was my parents' house, obviously, as a fifteen <laughs> or sixteen-year-old. And yeah, it got stolen, and I don't know where uh, that disc ended up. I think I have that somewhere, somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I remember, yeah, Todd, Todd McFarlane from Spawn did the uh, cover artwork yeah, for the children yeah. and stuff. And he also animated that section for Freak on a Leash, I think. But yeah, I think, but a lot of it was because of Ross Robinson, the producer, that mm. just had a really extreme way of pushing the band. Yeah, because he worked with Slipknot as well, didn't he? Yeah, he did for the um, debut album, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, he's just got a way of basically abusing all the band members till they yeah. <laughs> come out with the right performance. <laughs> mm, if you've seen that um, documentary, Sound City, is it Sound City that Rob yeah. Robinson's on? Uh, I think so. And he's sort of explaining how he used to get um, Slipknot and stuff to get revved up in the studio, and actually like pick up um, pot plants and ditch them at them. <laughs> Yeah. Throw them at the walls and just you know <laughs> get them angry, and I was like, "That's a fucking producer. That's that's how to get a band." I yeah. Was... No, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Sure it was that one. Yeah. I think Joey. Yeah, Joey from Slipknot was saying, "Yeah, he used to throw pot plants at them and just anything to, to piss them off enough to get them in that headspace to just go crazy." You know, basically. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I remember <laughs> reading something on the internet of you know take it with a grain of salt because it was on the internet, <laughs> but um, yeah. Uh, Corey Taylor from Slipknot walked into a vocal booth and Casey Chaos uh, had just been in there and apparently there was freaking blood everywhere. Really? So, yeah, interesting that <laughs> I wouldn't, what goes on in a recording studio. <laughs> Not just crazy banter, but violence. Well, I heard the one about one of them laying his shit in the corner, but that's, uh, yeah. that's probably true. What? <laughs> that, that'd be fantastic for the uh, overall, um, yeah... I don't know. That's the ambiance of the whole whole uh, yeah. recording studio. That smell of poo really yeah, brings out the that best in everyone. <laughs> um, so, so you had the the new metal cover. Like, what's sort of the? How do you choose what sort of cover things you're going to go for? Yeah, I really pissed the guys off because um, uh, I think we ended up having to use about four or five guitars on the night in various different tunings. Oh, maybe it was four. Maybe it was five. I'm not sure, but. Um, I really just sort of sat there and thought, well, what were the songs that I absolutely loved as a youth? You know, what were the songs that sort of shaped my musical tastes? And, yeah, that was really the way that we, we went about choosing the songs. I chose a lot of the songs, and the guys just said, yes, sir, three bags full, sir. But uh, with um, a lot of the new gigs that we've got coming up, um, yeah, the guys are doing the same thing as I did. You know, what were the songs that really impressed me back in the day? So we've got a naughty show coming up. Ooh. And, yeah, I mean, there's some really cool stuff in there, like Nine Inch Nails and A Perfect oh, Circle. Cool. Oh. I'm going to have to hone a... Uh, I'm going to have to hold a, a 16-second uh, uh, note there, so I don't know how the hell I'm going to do that. But, which, uh, which which song is that for? Uh, ooh, yeah. Oh, you, you want to you keep it under <laughs> Oh, hell. It, it's Judith, so... Yeah. Oh, cool, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, the did it all for you bit at Spoiled the very end. It. Right, Spoiled yeah. <laughs> a, a looper of some kind. <laughs> 
Mm. Just put extra reverb and delay on it. Yes, it is. Sustainer or something. I don't know. Apparently, that's what Maynard does for for Tool. A lot of it's like... Yeah, just sort of loop. Just kind of looped, yeah. Like there's the, you know, the grudge by Tool. There's that... 20, 25, 30 second scream that he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's insane. But he, he does have a pretty high range. But you, Oh, absolutely. You, you can hit that, no problem, right? Well, yeah. As far as the note is concerned, no problem. Mm. As far as the actual lung capacity is concerned, yeah. I mean, in uh, year 11 human biology, we all did lung tests um, and we all did an exhale into a some sort of device that said how big your lungs were hmm. and i was probably the smallest kid in the class and had the biggest lungs really no, four and no. a half liters so hopefully the years of uh maybe a few substances haven't hurt that <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we'll, we'll see how it goes but obviously yeah you just gotta take it in take in as much as you can and then just push on the diaphragm and not sort of use your throat too much right yeah and kind of sustain kind of uh economize the amount of breath that you're exhaling you don't want to like blow it out straight away that's actually quite funny because i've got a friend that actually did a a lung test (coughs) and it turns out she's only using 10 percent of her lungs and apparently the doctor's doctor's pretty much saying that she's not breathing properly oh jeez and Mm. i was just like but well she's breathing the same same way all the time how can you like not breathe properly Mm. so you know it is the same thing like when you're vocal training as well there's a certain way to you know inhale and exhale absolutely yes that was just strange you know well you're not breathing properly okay (laughs) yeah yeah that's right Not using the full capacity of your lungs Mm. Uh, sorry after you mate oh that's right um (laughs) it it comes from the yeah like you said the diaphragm and the stomach right you're not supposed to strain the actual throat when you sing right pretend it's not there ultimately yeah <laughs> yeah really that's that's the that's the crux of it um mm. a real sort of groundbreaker for me was um well alex sort of made me familiar with a a, a vocal coach who had, you know helped out uh the likes of Corey taylor uh etc etc um yeah god forbid etc etc um melissa cross and she's just incredible um this stuff was just dvds cds so tutorials on how to best manage uh what you do with your voice and how to warm up uh, whether it's the faces uh, the muscles in your face so all these stupid <laughs> if, if you see you got randy from lamb of god who you know i mean i take him quite seriously because he sounds like a demon but um yeah uh yeah you, you got him sitting there i mean for the sake of the uh I mean, we're, we're doing an audio interview here, so you can't really see what I'm doing with my face, but he's basically sort of going from a monkey into a, a big uh, uh, colon D, cap, colon capital D smiley, so sort of... Yeah, yeah so interesting. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it is all about the way you shape the words and stuff, because uh, I find a lot of people, uh, they, they lose their diction when they start to scream and shout, Yeah, and, and you can't actually hear the words they're not actually enunciating each bit of the word yeah pronunciation is yeah. a really important thing i mean yeah i mean you just have to listen to a machine head song you got rob flynn having the piss taken out of him on youtube with the rare meat now what he's actually saying hear me now but yeah. you listen to that freaking imperium track and it sounds like he says rare meat now <laughs> <laughs> i like yeah. rare meat medium rare preferably <laughs> we did that a few times with our our singer Matty Trash sort of getting him to redo the vocal lines hmm. and he like he was singing it the, the way that he always sang it and we sort of listened back and said well, what are you actually saying in there <laughs> and then oh, what was the, the classic when he said um, uh, he was saying uh, realisation yep but he said realisation the way he was going <laughs> realisation <laughs> like 
are you saying like real distortion or something like that? And then, <laughs> so we got into <laughs> Yeah, my life is actually right. <laughs> yeah. um, but have you? Do you the Zen of screaming? Yeah, that's what that. that's, that's exactly one. what I'm talking about. Yeah, uh, yeah. we had oh, John Mazzardis used to have that all the time within a moment. John's a lovely the boy. Zen of screaming. Got a lot of time for John. <laughs> mm. The yeah, and an amazing yeah, yeah. talent. Oh yeah, Gia Gia, yeah. bloody yeah, <laughs> Miggy Monkeys, and um, yeah, Amy loves it. Amy, my wife, when we're uh, heading to a show, she has to put up with my uh, vocal warm ups from. Uh, butler where we live all the way to say the roseman or the amplifier so <laughs> lucky her <laughs> uh i've always been amazed at, at metal singers though how they can withstand just screaming for like 40 minutes or if you're a big band like touring maybe up to an hour or more mm. of just screaming and you can actually every now and again you hear a band where you can hear the singers like losing Ooh, yeah. their voice and mm. it just sounds so painful mm-hmm. yeah when we we're we we're in the studio, um, Matt did his vocal tracks two days straight with a beer, like pretty much every take. So by the end of the day, he was completely smashed. Mm. That he was nailing his vocals like perfectly. That's awesome. even our engineer was just saying he's fucking amazed that he can s- nail his vocals and still be like by the end of the day be pissed off his nut. I went in there to do one vocal track, had a sip, tried to do this low, low growl, and my almost sped up blood because my throat just <laughs> sore. Like, how the fuck do you do this? Yeah, yeah. It, takes, it does take a few. I mean, some people are just born with the talent, like um, uh, the the Pyramish vocalist who stepped in for me when I left Pyramish, uh, L. Bennett. Um, you know, nineteen year old bloke who just stepped straight into the band and had this innate ability to just thrash his throat to death, mm. and you know. Iron throat, no dramas. Whereas myself, when I was 19, I had absolutely no idea how to do that form of vocal and failed miserably over and over and over again, but kept dusting myself back up, back off and getting back on that mic and just working out a way to basically do the techniques, uh, use the correct technique to get the, the best out of my throat. And yeah, there's, there's a lot to it, um, a lot to it initially. But then once you sort of find that, that that niche you're good to go Mm. yeah so it does it still hurt but you learn to deal with it or the does the pain actually go away once you nail a good technique it depends um if it's a studio type scenario and you're trying to capture like aggression oh yeah it hurts Mm. but if you're up on stage and you've got a decent set of in-ear monitors yeah you're not pushing yourself at all and it's just oh that didn't hurt that was nothing yeah yeah that would probably kill me. <laughs> I feel like sandpaper in my throat. Yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting, but I guess there are a lot of techniques to, to screaming because there's like the high one and then there's the low one. Mm. And then there's one where you're just kind of getting white noise from your throat. You're not actually projecting. Yeah. Mm. And it's just like, there's so many different ways and so many different styles. But yeah, every now and again, like, have you heard of a band called um, Forstora? Oh yeah! Like when I when I hear that s- yeah when I hear that singer scream I'm like ow that must hurt like because it's <laughs> like it's the most raspiest like yeah. roughest scream sort of not all that dissimilar to um suicide silence like mm. when I hear that real sort of high pitched raspy I just think yeah. geez that must hurt but yeah everyone's voice is different mm. like mm. what mm. might not hurt for one person might hurt the other person yeah uh, there is no point in trying to emulate someone else's scream mm. it has to be a natural scream that comes from you mm. it has to be your unique scream otherwise you will do yourself damage yeah um and yeah sort of certainly with the cover songs um that's a battle that i face like going from something like a, a poison song like talk dirty to me which is all sort of singing uh and then going into something like 
Sepultura roots, bloody roots. Like, <laughs> geez, so yeah, it's yeah. just one of those things where you you do your best to emulate the particular vocal vocalist you are you're you're emulating, but mm. um, yeah, at the end of the day, it's it really does need to be a sound that is native to your your being, your throat, your, yeah, your body. Yep. Yeah, there has to be a compromise, kind of in the middle, where it's kind of your technique, but kind of similar to the recording that you're trying to emulate so how often do you guys rehearse for that stuff because i imagine it would be quite frequently if you have a whole set list of covers yeah um one particular uh show that we got coming up um actually at i mean it, it's yet to be announced so i can't really give too much away but um it's going to be three uh half hour sets initially it was going to be a half hour set and two 45 minute sets but we don't have enough material to fill that right. so it's going to be um yeah three half hour sets and that starts with uh some glam stuff so the likes of uh steel panther cool. um yeah. crew? no unfortunately oh. i was pushing the boys to get uh dr feelgood over the line or same old situation because yeah. i love those songs and yeah they weren't too keen on that because we'd have to go to a different guitar tuning i mean that's that's the most important thing that you need to take into consideration when you're learning cover songs how many different tunings you're going to be having yeah, yeah. anyways to, to answer your question in regards to rehearsal yet yeah, so we got some glam stuff we've got some new metal stuff we've got some sort of more deathy kind of stuff that we'll be mm. doing um yeah so we initially rehearsed uh, millennium bug probably about i'd say six times all up just mm. to get that hour-long set down yeah um but yeah in regards to the the glam stuff that required a lot more uh, effort to get it down just because it was something completely out of our comfort zones yeah and something that does take a lot more polish definitely um, yeah. with with your new metal stuff i mean you can get away with a bung note here and there but with glam mm-hmm. you hit a bung note and everyone <laughs> yeah. just notices it like i just did a horsey oh, then i mean you noticed that didn't you um and and of course there's a lot of guitar solos and guitar work so if you fuck that up people are going to know this is well. on, dude. and that's why we yeah. got dave uh lee yeah dave from um uh, cosmic who's a mad guitarist awesome licks yeah, incredible guitarist uh, we got him up for the glam night and uh he really helped sort of push the the glam thing in the right direction and yeah had a had a wealth of knowledge that he could sort of impart on the band and right yeah so to answer your question in regards to how much rehearsal um someone like ash dude caught i mean he just listens to a song and knows it and yeah. It's good to go. <laughs> Someone like me, I'll actually need to actually jam it out at least probably three times before I'm confident to actually go up and do it on stage. So right. we rehearsed six times for uh for, for the glam show. Whereas with Millennium Bug I think we rehearsed about four or five times. Really? Yeah. Mm. That's uh that's pretty good. You guys must you guys must work pretty uh, efficiently because I need about twelve jams before I'm ready to. <laughs> yeah, take homework's important, but the good thing is, like an original song, you probably would want to put twelve jams into an original yeah, song. True, true. Whereas with a uh, a cover song, you know, there's there's a, a template there already. Yeah, you have a reference point, and you can just yeah. Mm, yeah. Uh, how about dress rehearsals? How many? Dress <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did a dress done? rehearsal. We did one dress rehearsal with King Onion for uh, the glam night, and that was hilarious. And Dave pra- practice to walk in the stilettos and stuff like that. <laughs> I actually got these good girl shoes from target mate they were fantastic <laughs> yeah. only i'd fit into a pair of size 12 women's shoes but anyway um yeah it was it was bloody great um yeah uh, in fact it was 
it was funny because Dave's girlfriend Jess who also works at Cosmic she came along to the to the rehearsal and I was a bit hesitant I'm like I walked in uh, with some aviators on and um, a hat on and took the aviators off and Ash just burst in <laughs> burst into tears laughing at me because yeah I had the eye makeup done by my wife and it, it looked bloody brilliant sweet um, yeah, yeah, I think I saw the Facebook pic. That was, that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, the dress. Yeah, to answer your question, the dress rehearsal was fantastic. It was really good fun. Oh, that's awesome. Mm. I'd love to play in a glam band. <laughs> I think just to satisfy my um, dream of wearing women's clothing. Would we'll you? <laughs> Hey, man. Just so you can, just, so you can justify wearing women's clothes. Yeah, that's yeah, right, because yeah. I already do. So. Well, the women's, the women's clothes I did wear, they were the shoes. So, yeah, they were like a, a pair of, basically a pair of Chuck Taylors with glitter all over them. Right. Um, and a pair of leggings. They were really cool, the cool. only women's clothes that I wore. But, uh, the yeah, the wig, that was certainly uh, in that vein. Um, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, covered in makeup, so... There you That's go. Sweet, well, you wear tights, don't you? Oh, I'm going to start <laughs> kicking people. They're not tights. What are they called? They're thermal underwear. Thermal underwear. I, wear, I have this thermal underwear that, you know, they're black and they look like tights sometimes. <laughs> if I, I like to wear them with my shorts because yeah, yeah. I like wearing shorts. Yeah. But if it's cold, it's fine. I wear these thermal underwear, which people like to call tights because they kind of well, they tights. well essentially they're tights, but they're not. <laughs> they're not tights. Well, it's not all that <laughs> similar to what the sports. I mean, you know, footballers yeah, yeah. they wear yeah, those skins true. they call them, mm, yeah. depending on who sponsors the bloody. Well, yeah, I, I could yeah. I could be all dicky and get a pair of those exercise compression pants. That's basically what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, right. <laughs> nothing wrong with it. Nothing well, wrong. I guess I keep thermals. warm. I keep warm. During there you winter. go. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's good on you. <laughs> essentially, thermals that you're wearing with shorts. So that's why they look like tights. Yeah. yeah. But they're not no, tights. But they're not tights. <laughs> they're not they're fucking tights. <laughs> they're not fucking tights, man. <laughs> but um, I guess what I ordered from eBay last night. Some tights? Some tights. <laughs> 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 well, they're called harem pants and they're from Japan. And they have, they're kind of like, they're made of cotton and they're really tight at the bottom, like uh, at the around your calves but they're baggy are they like those the ninja pants yeah they're like, yeah, nin- like ninja oh, pants yeah, yeah. like kind of like jogging pants or exercise pants like really saggy crotch but really tight at the MC Hammer pants MC yeah kind of yeah, kind of like parachute can't touch this at the gym today man like, <laughs> can't touch this <laughs> but yeah what about um 12 foot ninja the singer from that band he wears those sorts of pants from what I've seen in the music videos yes, and that yeah yeah mm. that's right yeah the saggy crotch skinny cotton pants um but apparently they're really big in Japan, but I'm just going to go with that as, as I thought excuse. they'd be really small in Japan. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> Jesus. Um, we went to the Rosemount for 12 Foot Ninja, but we didn't actually uh, see them because... What was the reason? We were, we were, we were cheap. We were kind of cheap that we night. Cheap I, I had a big night. steak and I was ready to go and I didn't mm. realise it was like $30. $30 yeah, twenty six forty, I think it was. Oh, right, right. To be exact. To be exact. <laughs> plus booking fee. Um, was that the door charge? I thought the door was 30. No, maybe it was. Yeah. yeah pretty, maybe yeah. you could have discount for pre-ordering. But we did get to see them walk on stage. Yeah, we were just sitting out the back and they were all doing their little huddle out the back and hey, 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 or whatever they do. So we're just sitting there going... <laughs> what the fuck was that? <laughs> no, no, it's the huddle. The huddle. Caveman talk. They just grunt at each other. And we're just sitting there and it's like, look at these guys. Look at these what are they doing? Oh, yeah. they're, they're oh, going they're on the stage. Band. Oh, that, that's the band. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. It's so much better now having the uh, entrance on the other side so that that hall can I be I actually used haven't been bands. through that entrance mm. yet. Like, you ha- what, you have to walk around through 
Yeah, it goes basically through the back and the toilets. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so you can get to bar 459 uh, via that same entrance. Or, yeah, you go into the, the actual main sort of mm. room at the Rosemount there. Mm. Right. Mm. That place has changed heaps. Yeah, it's good. It's good, mm. yeah. Yeah, it's gotten, like, that's the thing. It's, it's changed in a good way. Mm. I, don't, I don't think the Rosemount's ever sort of gone downhill at all. Yeah. Nah. It's always stepped up. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh. Yeah, I've always had utmost respect for the Rosemount and their management. Um, yeah, they're fantastic. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Kelvin on the sound. Ah, uh, Kelvin. Yeah. He's, he's I've been yelled at him. <laughs> I've been yelled at him numerous times back in the day. I love him, though. But, like, um, yeah, I just, uh, I think... At a gig, I... Because he has this very strong post-gig etiquette where you get all your shit off the stage for the next band as mm, soon as yeah, possible, Yeah, keep, keep right? running, yeah. But, you know, back in the day, I was a fucking idiot, so <laughs> I would, like, play well, a show all? and then, like, quickly try and sneak in the cigarette after the show. <laughs> and he, he would actually come hunt, like, hunt me down and be like, mate, you get your shit off the stage right now. <laughs> he's like, you know the drill. As soon as you finish, you fucking get... And, and he's right. He's absolutely right. And I, was mm. an, I was an absolute dickhead, so... But um, I've learned. I've learned. Yeah. yeah I think he's a cool dude. He's been there for, like, since... I don't know. Since like, the dawn of time. Since, like... As long as I can remember, anyway. Ten years yeah, or more, yeah. probably. I've, mm. I've seen... But he, he does a lot of sound for um, big day outs and stuff as well. Mm. A lot of touring sound. I remember we were at the... Um, I think it was the Boiler Room Big Day Out a couple of years ago when uh, Magic Dirt was playing. That's right. Right. And this was, like, a few weeks or a month before the drummer died. Yeah, you know, the mm. drummer of Magic Dirt. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Fuck. But what happened, because Kelvin was doing sound on that stage, and after, when they finished playing, that drummer just destroyed the drum kit, and it was a hired backline kit. Oh, oh man. And he just Not destroyed cool. this. That's why, when I heard later on that the drummer died, I thought, oh, this, that must have been like his, his losing point. That. <laughs> and he just destroyed this drum kit on stage, and because we were all at the back ready to do the changeovers. And we're just watching this drum kit, drum kit fall to pieces, going... But how that's a backline hired kid. Mm. This ain't gonna be good. No, nah, it's not your property. Why would you destroy yeah. it? I just don't get that. Mm. Have some respect. How, how is he just dis- destroying? Oh, he was like, you know, just throwing it around. Yeah, or? he's pushing it over and smashing things, taking the symbols and smashing the, oh, kit right. and the skins. And just <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Oh yeah, and that's, uh, so Kelvin with them were all sort of hanging out the back, watching this, going, "What the fuck's going on?" Oh, also, well. also <laughs> massive respect to Ian from Amplifier. I mean, he's been a real sort of. Oh, he's stalwart. Ian is yeah, amazing. He he knows how to work that room. Well, the other night I saw a death metal show at the Amplifier, Mm. and that was perfect. I mean, the triggers were a bit loud to start off with, but he he tweaked it and it sounded amazing. Yeah, but it doesn't matter what genre of music it is, he makes it sound as it should. Yeah, Mm. yeah, he would know the room so well. Like yeah, you know exactly what needs to be tweaked to get that sound. Yeah, Uh, a lot of people complain that he mixes too trebly and too loud, but. I, for some reason, like it. I'm well, probably going deaf as well. That's probably... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've taken good care, of, good care of my ears over the years because, yeah, bloody important to make sure that as a vocalist you, you can actually hear what's coming out of your, yeah, out of your mouth. Yeah, true, true. Um, but, yeah, one of the best... Uh, I mean, the, actually, the best setup... Actually, the best sound I've ha- ever heard out, out of the Rosemount was um, 
a Devour the Martyr set, mm-hmm. and that was uh, mixed by uh, Chris Head. Do you know Chris? Uh, he uh, plays guitar in a band called Arcarian, um, and he also... Uh, oh, wait, yeah, I know Chris. He used to play for... Um, Ardent. Ardent, that's the one. Yeah, Chris, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he did a killer job, and I went up to him after. I said, man, that's the best I've ever heard the Rosemount sound. Like, mm. I didn't think that setup was capable of that until I'd actually heard it, and it was just so crisp and clear, but with the big bass drops, you know, boom. Yeah, the anyway. subs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people, um, yeah, I, people love Ian. He's he's awesome. I think mm-hmm. he he mixes. He does go on tour occasionally and mixes bands, but um, I can't remember which band. Uh no, it wasn't Voyager. It wasn't Voyager. I'm thinking of someone else. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. And he's uh, didn't he used to like drive his car into amps? Yeah, all through the back door, yeah. Yeah, through the yeah. back door. Yeah, he's a boss. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Porsche. Yeah, is, is that his? Yeah, the, the Porsche? Porsche's. Yeah, the Porsche's. Yeah. 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 Mm, you, you guys, who's your touring sound guy? Um, you touring guy? Mark McEwen yeah, Mark. from oh. Underground Studios. Mm. No, he's I think he's that, awesome. That'd yeah. be great to like have a sound guy that sticks with your band that knows exactly your sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, knows your cues and stuff. And you, you, sure. you just feel comfortable... In, there, in any scenario, especially on tour when you don't know the venue, um, just to have someone there that knows your sound that will do the best to have you sound as consistent as possible. Is, mm. is and awesome. they have to love the sound just as much as you do. Yeah. Yeah, they have to like the music. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they can't just be working, you know, because then you won't get... Do you have a sound guy that you take with... Yeah. Not at all, no. <laughs> yeah. No. That's cool. Well, I guess it's up to you whether you want to do that or not. But yeah, but, um, I mean, yeah, Kelvin or Ian. Mm. I mean, the only places that I like to play are the Rosemount yeah. and the Amplifier. I mean, nothing against any other of the other venues, but ultimately it does come down to the service that you do get from the sound guy. Mm. And because Ian and uh, Kelvin have been there for so long, there's a, a cons- consistency of the yeah. the the service that you are provided mm. and to me consistency is key if you get yeah. a consistent sound every time yeah that's important yeah do you have any issues um with the i mean because you guys use in-ears right i do yeah yeah oh yeah. just you just me yeah so do you have to have a separate box for that like a separate mix altogether? um previously i was doing that but mm. I've, I've steered away from that uh initially i wanted to hear the band through the in-ears but mm. It just came to a point where it was becoming a bit too much of an inconvenience because there's X, Y, Z other things that need to be set up on, yeah, on the night. That's right. So what I was doing is just grabbing the mic lead and plugging it straight into the back of my whole setup because I've got um, a wireless microphone that I patch straight into the in-ears and then it's just a right. matter of putting the uh, the mic lead straight into the, uh-huh. the microphone. So yeah, all good to go. So it's just your voice that you it's hear? It's just my oh, voice right, that right, I hear. Right, right. However, okay. I do get plenty of bleed through those in-ears and That's right, any yeah. vocalist who feels like they're pushing themselves too hard on stage, go and see Alex at Cosmic and he'll help you out. <laughs> yeah, they're an awesome store, Cosmic. <laughs> yeah, we just yeah. had Damo on the... Damien Petrelli from the uh i think he's head of the online marketing department but yeah he was on here talking about drums and because he gives drum lessons as well he's he's amazing he is yeah, yeah. i remember his band syzygy and just being absolutely blown away at yeah. the, the technical precision black steel as well Do you yeah, remember black, black steel? steel as well yeah. absolutely yeah i remember having a, a a conversation with him on um i think it was oh it might have been manny in fact yeah i think it was manny mm-hmm. about uh oh yeah did you 
come and see Voyager on the weekend. Yeah, they were bloody great, mate. Oh, yeah, did you come and see Black Steel on the weekend? Yeah, not really my thing, mate. Sorry, power <laughs> is not my thing. But getting into, getting into the glam side of things, I've started to develop a bit of an appreciation for power metal. Yeah. I mean, some like it's one of those things that you either love or you hate, but I seem to be in the middle ground on power metal. I mean, the, the whole, <laughs> side of things is it's kind of cool uh, i don't mind it uh have you i think it was you that shared that video how to how to um oh the falsetto the falsetto <laughs> and this is like oh, all the way up that was hilarious yeah uh, i probably should have warmed up beforehand so i could have done it like jim gillette but jim gillette from nitro was just an amazing vocalist um, <laughs> yeah and a real ladies man at that but anyways yeah what's the deal with that like, they're so, like, um, back in the 80s especially, mm. even though they're essentially, like, the most feminine, prettiest-looking guys, they would get mad pussy everywhere. <laughs> dead set, dead set. Like, I what, mean, what's the deal Molly with that? Crew off the hook, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh... I think once you're on stage, I don't give a fuck, because they, <laughs> they just love yeah. you. And, uh, of course, the music as well, so... Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you probably know Mel. Yeah, you guys know Mel. Uh, Mel Mel Brown, uh, lovely, lovely lady. Um, she's actually lent me uh, The Dirt, which is... Oh, the book. Uh, Everyone talks about The Dirt. Yeah, yeah I'm going to read that. And I've, I've just started sort of reading little bits here and there. And the freaking, not so much opulence, just the... the Vulgar. <laughs> the way... The life was just crazy. Debauchery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. It was yeah. debauchery. Yeah, it was just <laughs> out and out extravagance. Oh, like, yeah. No matter yeah. what it was, whether it was food, whether it was drugs, whether it was the the quality of the uh, of the woman you wanted to spend it, the night with. I mean, it was just all there, ready for them to just grab. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with the way they uh, objectify and you know sort of do those sorts of things to to women, or but um. Mm. I mean, ultimately, those women weren't saying no, were they? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's probably, that's the thing. Like, it's, it, no, I don't know. We're going to assume that it's, it was all consensual. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, I'm sure if they're loving it, then... It's, I, it's one of those really books where you read it and you just think, no, this, it's got to be made up. Yeah. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's not. And I think what the, the best thing about that book is how... They can tell the same story from Please, different points of view, mm-hmm. which they sort of sometimes they cross over, and sometimes you think, "Oh, wait, who's telling the truth?" But that always the bottom line is the story's the same. Yeah, and you just sit there going, "No, nah, no fucking way!" Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah. yeah, I mean the rock star lifestyle. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, totally. It's what we all dream about, but obviously <laughs> at the end of the day, it does come down to the the dollars and cents in the bank account. And yeah. Yeah. plus that was the eighties. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sort of boom time for that. But, so. Yeah. There'd be, I reckon there'd be a total big difference in the way... Well, there is in the way bands operate and run themselves these days. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, Rob <laughs> Flynn went on a massive rant uh, recently. Uh, a really well-written rant about how much the, in- the music industry has changed. The fact that people are more inclined to sit at home in front of their computers or on their phone instead of getting out and seeing live music. Because mm. live music in the 80s was off the charts man it was insane mm-hmm. um you know you wanted to get a buzz you went and saw live music and these days it's it's just not the way anymore people don't even buy cds anymore everything's electronic yeah. it's all online i mean pyromash's album uh much to mine and tim's dismay and alex's dismay was up on torrent sites the night it got launched we launched it at the amplifier and within two hours we got home and thought, oh, we might Google this. Sure enough, it was on torrent sites before, basically, as we launched it. Wow. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, even uh, Danny from Voyager was kind of giving on Facebook, giving the the stats of how much he actually earned from online plays and online royalties, and yeah, it's, it's absolutely rubbish. fuck all. Mm. And and uh, uh, apps like Spotify are kind of perpetrators of that because oh, yeah, they, totally. they they are in a way taking money away from the bands. And I think even I think Bette Midler tweeted something where she showed her income from online plays and it was something like one point something million downloads and she only got like under a thousand dollars for that yeah it was ridiculous, it was ridiculous. Like, i think danny's yeah. uh, post of saying that yeah you get you, you have a million streams mm. of your particular track it's like a couple hundred get, bucks yeah yeah you get my 20 bucks return which is yeah. ridiculous <laughs> yeah. but someone who is trying to revolutionize that in in perth in particular is uh, anthony have you heard of Farugi? Uh, no. Yeah, check it out, farugi.com, F-A-R-U-G-I.com. Check that out after after this. And, yeah, he's yeah. really sort of trying to set up an online um, place where you can obviously stream the music, download it, order a physical CD or order merch. And, yeah, he's sort of getting on the front foot with that and, yeah, get hopefully getting some investors on board at some point in time. Mm. So, yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, good on Anthony. It's, it's good to see. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think um, I don't know if bands can even make money from mm. online downloads. Maybe iTunes if you're in like the millions or thousands of, of downloads. But I was because we've I've had these sort of conversations with many people about the music industry and how mm. to sort of combat these sort of problems, and it it almost mm. feels like you know you're chasing after that sort of, it's like a rat race type thing mm. where you don't know what's at the end, and you're just trying to sort of work something out. But it's good to see that there are people that are trying to you know use an initiative to try and get get to a, a sort of point where it can you know benef- yeah. benefit both parties trying to change the model the business mm. model yeah and ultimately that yeah. all comes down to crowd funding uh mm. what yeah uh, uh sorry not double dragon they're an adelaide band uh 12 foot ninja what they did is um yeah they obviously tried to raise about 10 to 15 grand for a video clip and raised 50 that's amazing mm. uh the guys from voyager they wanted to raise i think it was 10 to 15 for their their project and ended up raising i think it was uh mid-20s so mm. amazing that's pretty good chaos savannah doing some crowd yeah yeah as well, but i did receive a, a message from simon and he's requested that biomass share the the link on on our on our facebook so i'm absolutely must get on there and do that for him because mm-hmm. absolutely adore chaos diviners as, as, yeah. as not just a local artist but as a yeah just they're cool dudes man. utmost respect mm. for what they have done and yeah. what they're achieving and where they will where they intend to go because mm. i think the you know it really is just the beginning for those guys yeah you can i can definitely see like a, a long-term career for, mm. for chaos divine just their work ethic and they're, they're all super talented um and same and they, goes for voyager yeah, same goes for Voyager, mm. yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, even overseas, like, Chaos and Voyager are doing really well, mm. you know, around um, other places that aren't in Australia. I think Voyager, in America, they're, they're pretty big as well. Yeah, the prog side, I think, yeah. is really big. Yeah, and for Europe and whatnot. Mm. Mm. I think Alex was saying um, they had one of their longest ever post-gig signings was in America, and it went on for, like, two or three hours. <laughs> That's just, like an onslaught of just fans wanting so autographs and I'm, yeah it's awesome Th- those sorts of stories warm my heart I mean yeah. at the end of the day that's why you do it because it's it's mutually beneficial relationships that's why you, you do this music you want to it, it to be as much fun for the people listening to it as it is for you uh, making it and performing it 
Mm. That's my mm. view anyway. Yeah, definitely. Completely. Mm. Shall we take a break? Mm. We'll take a quick break. Yeah, I got a fart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd actually, on that note, I saw this wicked photo of a restaurant, a uh, sign outside a restaurant saying, farts are the ghosts of the food we eat. <laughs> <laughs> They're shit ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> shit poltergeists. And on that note, <laughs> we'll take a break and we'll be back with Andy. You're listening to Mission Control. So, Morpheus Management, um, not a Matrix... Not a Matrix Not reference a Matrix. at all, no. <laughs> um, okay. Where what's what's the story behind it? Uh, the actual name of the company itself. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, we were sort of trying to think of names, and um, I mean, for me personally, from a marketing perspective, uh, I wanted the the company name to sort of have alliteration. So, MM. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I love about Monster Management, the guys who handle the bookings for uh, Amplifier and whatnot. Um, so yeah, uh, we were flicking. Uh, yeah, so we couldn't really think of a, a good name. And uh, Amy's old man, who is good at thinking outside the square, he uh, grabbed the uh, basically a Pantone chart for uh, a painting. Uh, so they were choosing paint for their house, and he started flicking through this thing. And I'm looking at this thing, going, "No, nah, that's crap. That's crap. That's crap." And then stumbled upon one called Mor- Morpheus, and it just clicked i was like morpheus that sounds pretty sweet and amy liked it and the in-laws liked it and so if you're keeping the in-laws happy then it's a win-win <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, it was a, a color mm. morpheus what kind of color was it uh, It was like a sort of a metallic yes yeah, a metallic yeah basically just a gray color dark dark yeah, yeah. like yeah. a chrome yeah, sort of yeah sort of like a what would you call it charcoal kind of a metallic gray a dark metallic metallic gray not all that similar to the car that i'm driving out there <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. what do you do do you do you book shows or yeah basically just a yeah. booking agency mainly at this stage we are just um handling promotion so putting on shows uh the the whole idea behind it is to get more exposure to the to the local scene the idea behind all these cover nights that we're putting on is thereby bands who have an amazing presence in the local scene mm-hmm. so the whole idea is to drag your average consumer out of the woodwork to come to these shows mm. and then as soon as they hear how good the local scene is and start hearing some original songs from these original artists they'll fall in love with them that's the whole idea we want to sort of uh really uh take it to the next level as far as the local scene is concerned that's uh, yeah that's a cool idea it's like making little super bands from and, and I guess you don't really have to have a, a set, like, core member that, you know, you can kind of rotate, right? Mm. It doesn't have to be the same people all the time. No. Yeah. Mm. Mm. That's pretty cool. It's, it's funny. The other, other night I was at this party, and I was talking to this guy about music, and he was not a musician whatsoever. He was a land management ranger of some kind. And he was, he was saying, I was saying, oh, yeah, I play in a band. He's like, oh, you play covers and stuff. I was like, uh, no, I just play original stuff. So, like, oh, do you play much? I'm like, yeah, we, you, well, we used to gig all the time. Yeah. Currently a recording. And he's like, oh, I th- I th-, and he's saying to me, like, honestly, I thought the way, that the only way bands make it is if you go out and play cover songs and throw in occasional of your own stuff. You're kidding me. And I'm like, um, I suppose that can be done. Mm. I've never done that before. Mm. Like, mm. we've always just been in the scene. He was almost completely oblivious as to how a band can go out there and just 
play original music and have people show up and like it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, I was like, I wanted to leave that party. I was like, who the <laughs> yeah. fuck am I talking to? <laughs> yeah. Of course, we ended up getting dragged out to the casino to go see some cover band at one of the nightclubs at the casino. Right. Where they're all just playing cover songs. Like, oh, God, like Bruce Springsteen... Um, bit of Rolling Stones, like all these old, you know, in their sixties and seventies guys playing these cover songs. Yeah, and the whole crowd there was just eating it up. Well, mainly they were drinking and not mm-hmm. really paying attention to the band, just dancing to the music. Yeah, and I was just sitting there going, oh, "How do these people do it? How can these people like yeah. follow it?" So uh, mm. that really caught me, like by saying that they didn't realise that bands can go out there and just play original music. Yeah, I, l- I love getting advice from like non-creative people on mm. how to be creative. You're like, <laughs> yeah. really? It's always an. What you should do is like, I know a friend that has some microphones. You should do like a demo tape. And you're like, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to talk to this guy. <laughs> Thanks, Einstein. Really thinking outside the square there, mate. Good on you. Demo tape. <laughs> uh, it's amazing how many people are just out of touch with how it works but i guess you know mm, mm. not that i'm blaming them because if you don't know anything about the industry obviously you're not going to know mm, how things yeah. work yeah. but you know of course the original bands just rock up and play original music kind of mm. yeah there's no one way to to do anything i mm. guess yeah i mean you look at a band like soil work for instance i mean those guys pretty much on average release an album every two and a half years or so mm. i think they got together in 1997 and have basically kept up that that sort of uh that consistency from from day dot mm. and they put out a freaking 20 track album just recently so i mean there's just so much creativity yeah like there is i reckon the best way forward is to just freaking harness that creativity and uh really sort of keep the momentum up and keep creating Mm. fresh original stuff there's nothing worse than sort of getting stuck into a project that just draws out for like five or six years because not only does it lose relevancy but it becomes tired and the the stakeholders of that project just completely lose interest yeah so it's all about momentum and making sure that everyone's sort of pushing this thing in the right direction yeah and i I suppose with the internet like before you know you'd have to get something pressed for someone to hear it mm. and that's just not the case now no definitely not you can just literally it's the just world wide web <laughs> <laughs> surfing the have you got your wetsuit surf the web um, play model combat with your friend in vietnam <laughs> <laughs> the future is now <laughs> um, but now you can just be like just put out music whenever you want mm. and the whole world can hear it on soundcloud or bandcamp or youtube or whatever yeah but, yeah, I guess you also can't expect to make much money. That's the other downfall. Mm. So. Yeah, ultimately. Mm. Well, certainly, it's, it's allowing the public to make the decision if it's good or not, yeah. rather than, say, the labels choosing what's going to be good or not and then letting the public hear it. Mm-hmm. It's sort of it's just bypassing that whole sort of corporate side of it and just it's getting rid straight of the middle to the people. Man. Yeah, it's yeah. straight from you to someone else. Mm. Well, what I truly respect is people who sort of step away from the mainstream to discover um real music Mm. i like to call it real music that is played by the guy uh on an acoustic guitar in a bar to say 20 people um you know the the person who sits there and writes the music from from scratch um you know people who sort of sit there and say oh my favorite band is xyz from the mainstream i don't know avici or someone like that and you think well 
Have you ever actually sort of stepped outside the mainstream and tried to discover music? Who? Some real music? Mm. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Like, pe- people don't really like getting their, their hands dirty and digging for music. Like, mm. before, you'd have to go to a record store or, like, 78s. Remember, remember back, back in the day mm. where you'd go to the, the back, back part of 78s and you could listen to a featured album for that week yeah, on headphones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that was your way of kind of sampling the music before you buy it. But mm. now it's just, everything's just up everywhere. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and if, if, if someone can't get that song within five, ten minutes, they give up. Like, that's yeah. how quick people's attention spans are now. Like, if you can't download it immediately, you kind of like, oh, give up and move on. <laughs> like, our rate of consumption now of media is so quick. Mm. It's like mm. even t- reading tweets and stuff, you know, you're getting information that's under 140 characters instantly and you're flicking through it. And you're choosing what you want to consume. Yeah, yeah. Now yeah, it's yeah. like we're becoming so, yeah. Just our, the the rate of consumption is so high. I don't know if that's the next is phase it, well, of evolution. Is or it the rate of consumption or the rate of like the information gets put out that we have but, to well, actually? Both. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's both ways. Yeah. It, it's it's coming out like now we just have feeds for everything. Feeds yeah. for Twitter, mm. feeds for Facebook, feeds for YouTube. What channels are you subscribe to and stuff like that. So you can really create your own bubble on yep. the internet and not look at anything that you don't want to look at, exactly. which again is like a downfall as well because yep. you're choosing what you want to believe, you're choosing mm. what you want to consume, and if you don't agree with something, you literally just block it out. Like yep. you don't mm. read that that <laughs> article. It was funny because I was I was um, talking to someone. I come. I might have actually been the same guy about. Um, when first learning songs, you know, you learn songs of um, bands you listen to. So you learn to play covers and that. And I was just thinking to myself, all the songs that I learned to play when I first started playing guitar, I wouldn't have a clue how to play anymore. <laughs> like, you know, growing up with Metallica and Korn and all that stuff, I used to be able yep. to play the solos and all that stuff. I couldn't remember any of it now because it, it's all just like creating my own stuff now. Yeah, exactly. You know, you just go out there and you create new stuff and then you forget all the stuff that you knew. Mm. Yeah. Do you play any other instruments besides? Singing? I know some basic chords on guitar, and that's it. Yeah. I know a basic drum beat. That's it. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, for me, I've not even perfected vocals yet. Yeah. Um, cool. And I think uh, I really have just uh, hit the tip of the iceberg as far as my vocal capability is concerned. Hmm. Um, ultimately, I'd like to really build on that and uh, sort of choose vocals as my main. Uh, weapon of choice because um, I listen to vocalists like uh, Danny from Voyager or Dave from Chaos Divine and they have sort of created their own distinct styles mm-hmm. like I can just put like if I was if I had my iPod on, on, on shuffle for instance and I heard uh, Dave singing I'd just instantly pick it up that's Dave yeah um, and that's something that I'm trying to work on personally my own sort of tone my own sort of sound yeah um, and I don't think I'm, I'm at that stage yet originally in a, in, a, in a creative space I need to sort of really sit down um, and work on that uh, really set up my own home studio like what we're talking into right now mm-hmm. and really sort of focus on developing my own sound because I think that's crucial just having your own sound something that's like a, a signature a part of you yeah um, very very crucial in the yeah, that, that's, process yeah that's how you uh, I guess mature or crystallise as an artist is, is mm. when you develop your own sound we were talking about that with 
Damien from Cosmic, how, you know, at in the early stages, you just, you know, absorbing everything like a sponge. And then yeah. you, I guess that, that's the only way to, to start is you kind of emulate, you kind of do covers first. And then totally. eventually, well, some people leave it at that and they, they can't progress any further from yeah. that. Yeah. And they kind of just sit sit there they just plateau yeah. but um to keep getting better as an artist you have to find where your strength is and then just utilize that and that eventually becomes you Absolutely. like even as a drummer or a guitar player you mm-hmm. know like i, I if i play I, I want people to kind of hear oh that's something that i would do you know that's something very you know no this one because i actually think you know as instrument players compared to a vocalist mm-hmm. where vocals are essentially a unique sound being mm. your own voice. It's your own yep. voice, yeah. Whereas f- for us, you playing drums, you know, your drum kit could essentially be the same as someone else's drum kit. Mm. Or my guitar sound could essentially be the same as someone else's guitar sound. Mm. Whereas it comes down to the actual technique of yeah. the way you play it mm. to try and make the distinction. Whereas vocals, you know, there's a lot more play in able to create a new sound being as a unique voice that each singer has. Yeah, I don't know about you guys. I've never seen uh, voice boxes on sale at Kmart. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, you can Everyone's pick your favourite artist and just emulate that, that voice box. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, that's essentially what I had done in the past. I mean, I loved uh, Johnny Santos from uh, Spineshank. I loved his sort of... Mm. So that real sort of mean sound that he would pull off. Uh, I love uh, Speed Strid from Soilwork um, and model a lot of my vocal on him, but I'm trying to steer away from that now. Mm-hmm. I want to build my own sound. That's what Dave has been really successful in doing. Yeah. I look up to him in that regard. Yeah. Um, and same with Danny from Voyager. He's just got this very unique sound in his voice that I have nothing but the utmost respect for. Yeah. Um, uh, were, were you? Did you start off as a screamer and then venture into? Because a lot of metal people they start off screaming and Not then they no. kind of like venture into the whole clean singing thing. But you didn't do that. No, not at all. I yeah. was ultimately. Well, I really should stop saying that word. Um, <laughs> I was uh, trained classically. Uh, oh, cool! During hmm. primary school, I, I sung in a in a choir. Uh, the Creaney Primary School Choir, which mm-hmm. was fa- a fantastic opportunity. Not only would I sing in the choir, but I uh, was um, uh, selected to sing um, solos as part of that choir. So, yeah, uh, in my early days of music, it was all clean singing. And, yeah, went down uh, a path of not really caring about music for a while there and then thought, hey, I can actually use this voice box to to do some music mm-hmm. um and in high school sort of going through the whole teenage angsty type uh <laughs> type times i fell in love with uh the heavier forms of music fell in love with corn fell, fell in love with fear factory uh even rockier stuff like grinspoon um mm-hmm. fell in love with those sorts of bands and yeah it, it was a dream of mine to 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 put a band together and start cranking out some original music mm-hmm. and that's where uh I met Alex Lassiter. Uh, we went to school together. He was a couple of years younger than me, but um, we both loved the heavier genres of the music, and that's where him and I hooked up and started creating um, some original tunes. In fact, I wrote the probably the shittest riff in the history of the world um, <laughs> that formed our first original song. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's basically how it went. Uh, but yeah. I, I can't discount uh, Bish. You may remember bish from the early days of pyramish back in the early noughties 
uh, he was certainly um, part of those formative years as well. Yeah. And a bloke who no one really hears or sees sees any anymore, but a really lovely bloke and uh, someone that I went to primary school with even. So, yeah. Um, yeah, to answer your question, uh, classically trained. Awesome. Trained, yeah. Hmm. That's, that's a, do, do you find that the, the foundation of learning that has helped you? Absolutely. Yeah? Yeah. But mm-hmm. it, it's weird when, when you're actually learning it, you're not thinking, oh, in 10 years, this is going to do me some good. Well, right. it was interesting <laughs> because when I graduated, um, yeah, from primary school, uh, they always sort of talk, oh, this, this person's going to go into biomechanics or something like that, or this person's going to be a doctor. Well, when I got up and sort of accepted my graduation, graduation certificate from the, the school headmaster, uh, they said, and Andy will certainly partake in the entertainment industry. And yeah, I just cool. laughed it off at the time, going out ah, bull dust. Yeah. So it was a bit of a, a bit of a funny talk <laughs> as well. I get up and say a few funny things and impersonate people. I'm all right at doing right. silly accents and whatnot. But anyways, yeah, I, I was voted. Uh, do you know how you get those end of year yearbooks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was voted a uh, uh, craziest person of the school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. That's a compliment. Yeah, well, totally. I mean, I, I was, yeah, I was extremely weird. In the, well, I still am. I've just re- found a better way to hide it. But <laughs> we're all fucking weird. Yeah, I mean, that's what makes us who we are. I mean, I like to think I'm a real silly geezer. Yeah. Um, you know, there's stupid esoteric jokes from yesteryear that only me and my group of mates laugh at, and my brother even. Um, who has been a really big influence on the person I've become today and just the stupid shit like references references to Australians politicians or sport heroes like oh, Bob Hawke this or David Boone that <laughs> hilarious we'd fall on the ground laughing when really we're just talking about a person's name ridiculous I mean what's so funny about that <laughs> uh, that's hilarious I mean, I, I was in the school choir once, but I, I used to be the one to just stand at the back and mime and let everyone else sing. <laughs> right. The old miming trick. Yeah. Yeah. Did you uh, play recorder as well? Oh, yes. Did they, we all, did we, you play I recorder? think everyone played you recorder. Cover up all the holes and just blow it as hard as you can and piss yes. the teacher off. Yes. Uh, there'd be like... Every like rehearsal, there'd just be one kid just blowing as hard as <laughs> yeah, just going, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we played this bloody song. I think it was, it was some Chinese song, Suagan or something, and it was G-A-B-A-B-A, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, you just hear, from the back Who is that? Andy. Fuck off. <laughs> Andy, up to the front, please. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, they're, they're all the uh, the minor keys, right? The black keys. That's that's oh, the the, a- the Asian scale is all the black keys on the keyboard. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Next next time you're in front of, a, like, a keyboard, just mm. play all the black keys. Yeah. And, and that's that's the Asian scale. It's incredible. When you, when you actually sing scales warming up vocally, mm-hmm. it's all the white keys. Yeah. But then it's all the major, yeah, the major, like C, yeah. C to C to C, the whole octave, right? And then you hit like that freaking, yeah, those those minor, yeah, the minor ones. Jeez, you're like the semi to hold this note. This yeah. doesn't feel normal. Hmm. Yeah, anyway, because it's like you have the two white keys, and then hmm. you have this the the semitone between that, yeah. and that's like a whole other chord. <laughs> but then you like when you incorporate, you know, all the the white major keys with the black keys, you can get some cool scales and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I wish I knew how to play scales. 
I don't know how to play scales. I just know how to play what sounds good. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> well, that's, well, that's what works for you, man. Then yeah. Stuff the scales. Yeah. But certainly from a warm-up perspective, I need to sing scales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's awesome working with people that know all of the theory. I'm, I'm sure voyagers like that, they, oh, they just yeah. know all their scales. Mm. And they're just like, can you play like C-A-B? And they just, is there a B? Yeah. Mm. There is a B. Cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Which letters aren't? It only goes from A to... Every good G, boy right? fruit. Every good boy. That's the, ac- uh, the, the mnemonic. Right. Every mm-hmm. good boy deserves fruit. So, yeah. But it's the, yeah, yeah, the um, right. C flat and D sharp mm-hmm. are the same note. Mm-hmm. 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 But you... What am I talking about? No, it's because um, like D... It, it, you count... You, you say it whichever... If you're ascending, mm-hmm. then it's a D sharp. But if you're descending, it's a C flat or something like that. Yeah. Did it C and D? No idea. My my th- musical theory is non-existent. Yeah, I know. I, I know it's something like that. Like yeah. there's two notes are the same, but there's two references to the same mm. note. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> We're you, not musicians. Do you have like a, a guilty? Well, I wouldn't say I, I don't like the term guilty pleasure because I think you should love whatever you love, right? Mm-hmm. But um. Do you have a guilty pleasure that you like singing along to in the car? Because we all... I put on Justin Timberlake and shit. Because <laughs> like I, I, I love... Yeah, I, I grew up on R&B because that's what my sisters listen to. So I think there's yep. a... I have a soft spot for all that pop stuff. But yep. I'm sure you have something that you like to listen to that isn't metal. Yeah, not all that dissimilar. And sort of before I went down the whole uh, metal path and the heavy mm-hmm. music path, um, yeah, I was just sort of a kid growing up in the 90s. So... Uh, the other night, it was Aaron Bridgman's birthday. Lovely bloke went out for uh, karaoke. karaoke, right? And yeah. It was a real hoot, and um, yeah, I mean, I got up and sung Coolio Gangsters Paradise. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that, that was that was freaking fantastic. Um, yeah, uh, sung what was another really cheesy one from the nineties? Oh, well, this isn't even from the nineties, but uh, Frank Sinatra. Cool. I got up and sung New York, New York. I mean, I lost my key, but who cares? That's beside the point. I think <laughs> yeah. the, the worse you do at karaoke, the better it sounds. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Uh, anything that is of a higher register, because I'm trying to build a higher register. Because I mean, just listening, yeah. listening to me talk now is right. Um, yeah. Really trying to build a higher register. So anything that's sort of remotely high pitched. So right. Uh, anything with a, a, a massive falsetto. Oh, cool. Anything with a, a real high register. So we recently did a, a cover of Monkey Business by Skid Row, and that's got some serious sort of high pitched. Yeah. <laughs> stuff in so um, yeah anything with a falsetto in it these days really is my guilty pleasure right yeah it's not a guilty pleasure cool freaking love it have you have you found your have you ever worked with a vocal coach before because i think one of the first things they do is they they find your highest note that you can hit and then your lowest and then that's your range from the low octave to the high octave so um yeah it's interesting to see how everyone has a different Everyone's voice breaks at a different point. Yeah, yeah. And you can actually stretch that muscle uh, through time to, to hit, you know, higher higher notes. Well, when My, we did the, uh, yeah. the Glam show, I was talking to Sal uh, mm-hmm. from Emerald City. Uh, Sal here, I think he, he worked at Cosmic for a little bit. Oh, uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he can actually whistle with his throat. That's how right. sort of tight he can make <laughs> the muscles in the throat. Shit. To, and, yeah, it's, like, it's a really high pitch. Mariah Carey's so. 
yeah yeah whistling sort of in in my ear sort of thing because it was a it was loud it's the amplifier bar and yeah, yeah. does this i can't even do it man like, yeah. yeah really really high pitched <laughs> yep yep mm. that's insane <laughs> you can say oh no i was just gonna say my voice broke when i was about 13 not any not any certain scale and it's just broke i think i was one of those 12 year old kids that like would talk with a deep voice to pretend that my voice had broken shit um so upcoming gigs you've got the naughty show uh, yeah, so that's, that's a, a King Onion show. King Onion show, that's in July? Yeah, July yep. 5. We have uh, Chaos Divine headlining that show. Cool. We have I Said the Sparrow, a uh, fantastic band. They're up third. Uh, we got Tusk on second. Uh, King Onion will be opening that show. Cool. Um, and yeah, that that, uh, that particular uh, set list is, is dotted with amazing songs from uh, the naughty, so anything from 2000 to 2009. Hell yeah. Mm. And Pyramesh, any, any shows for Pyramesh at the moment? Or? Yeah, absolutely. We've got the Arcarian uh, City launch uh, coming up at the Rosemount Hotel. That's on the 14th of June. Yeah. Is that John, John's band? Uh, no, you're thinking no. of Arcarian. Yeah, there's two yeah, bands. Okay. With oh, very, yeah, I thought you were... Arcarian. Mm. I thought you were... Med- uh, yeah, okay. I, I, was, yeah. I had the wrong band in my head, so... Yeah. <laughs> uh, the guys from Ardent. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Uh, they've got a CD launch coming up, and that's well overdue. Those guys worked on that for a long, long, long time mm. um, and actually recorded the guitars to tape um, just to give it that real sort of headroom type right. sound. And I've, I've been uh, spoiled enough to hear some of the some of the tracks from that. And, yeah, it really does. So recording the guitars to tape really does make a difference. Right. Um, I don't, if I was doing a, a project, I don't think I'd do it just because of the time factor. Um, but yeah, the fact that they dedicated a lot of time to that, you know, it stands apart. It sounds really good. Right. Mm. That's, yeah. That'll be interesting to hear it because you've got to cut that tape manually, don't you? Yeah. From what I understand. Pretty much. Yeah. Right. But they did actually sort of import it to what we're looking at right now, sort of a, a digital format, but to actually piece the thing together. But yeah, essentially yeah. the guitar tracks themselves were originally recorded to tape. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. Mm. That'd be very nice to hear. That would cost way Oops, more, wouldn't it? That's we're a- getting pissed. <laughs> <laughs> fucking smashed, man. All that fucking snake oil. What note was that? What note was that? That was like a... Oh, beats me. <laughs> I don't know musical theory. I'm just some guy who makes grunting noises. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else have we got coming up? Uh, King Onion has the the tattoo artists uh, ball at the Rocket Room. On. What is that? Yeah, I've the never tattoo artists ball. Yeah, so it should be fun. Uh, we're doing three thirty minute sets at that. Cool. Uh, that will be on the twenty first of May. Cool. Oh, that's so, yeah. like in three. Two, three or four weeks, right? Yeah, yeah. So, cool. yeah, we'll be starting off with a half-hour glam set. Uh, so, the likes of Poison and Warrant and uh, Alice Cooper. Right. And, uh, Skid Row. And then branching out into into the more uh, 90s and, and naughty stuff. So, anything from um, Sepultura uh, right through to uh, Fear Factory. Cool. So, yeah, it should be really good fun. I haven't been... How long since we've been to the rocket room? <laughs> uh, it's amazing, man. Really? Has it changed? It has. Really? Yeah. And for the better as well. Awesome. Um, I think capacity might be a bit smaller now. That's okay, though. But you've yeah. still got the bar sitting in the middle. I mean, you wouldn't be able to have a serious mosh pit in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, you'd still be able to fill the place with about 170 people and... If you had 170 people in there, it would be going off. It yeah. would be a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I yeah, we we've had quite a few memories of the yeah, room. Yeah, played there a few times. Hmm. Uh but 
Yeah, you're right. They still have that bar in the dead center, mm. and but uh, yeah, that's it's kind of yeah, it's got a cool vibe. It does really. Ha- it has a really yeah. Cool vibe. It's mm. been a good, I think, two three years since I've been there. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. Is that place haunted? <laughs> uh, yeah, by um, big titted ladies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, have you heard at about the Voodoo that? Lounge? <laughs> 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 Have you heard that the the rocket room might be haunted? No, no. I wouldn't put it past it, but no. Like I, I remember speaking to one of the the glassies there about two years Jeez. ago, and he reckons he's dead set. Like I was, I was expecting him to like laugh or giggle after telling me the story, but yeah, right. Everyone was dead serious that that place is haunted. <laughs> Even a uh, new vibe. Remember new vibe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Apparently that was uh, haunted as well. Shit. But uh, this dude was saying he would hear, he would literally hear footsteps like when it was closed at like three a.m. and like people la- like girls laughing because it used to be a, a strip club, right? The Rocket Room. Well, you got the Voodoo Lounge right next to it, dude. Voodoo yeah, Lounge, yeah, Voodoo but, Lounge but, above it. But yeah, no, I think downstairs w- used to be. Yeah, Rocket Room itself used to be a strip club. I do not know that. Yeah. yeah. Something oh, of like course, that. it's got poles in it. Yeah, yeah. they had freaking floor to ceiling. <laughs> yeah. What do they get used for, Andrew? Uh, they're for uh, leaning on for punters when they're too drunk. They oh, just yeah, lean on the poles. Sniff and see what you can. <laughs> no, they, they changed to like a male strip night on Saturday nights or something, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. My wife was talking about that. Sounded like she was interested. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, didn't, didn't we tell Nick one time that we'll meet him at Rocket Room on Saturday night? And we didn't show up. And he did. <laughs> And he was like, Adam, oh, i got to get inside. My mates are inside. Yeah. <laughs> well, he did to someone, great. yeah. That's great. Uh, do you think guys could hang out at a male strip club night and, and just... Guys should get free entry, at least. Yeah, yeah because, so. because yeah. girls can go to, to, you know, they can just passively go to a, a, strip, yeah. a strip club and not really be hounded or, or, or judged by it, right? So why can't we go to male strip clubs? Do you want to do it? <laughs> <laughs> as long as we get free entry yeah. Free entry and free drinks I'll be there That's the tipping point for you Free entry Yeah. See what pops up <laughs> uh, Yeah so what else is uh, Yeah musically um, Yeah with uh, Pyramish We've got uh, Yeah we were re- Released uh, We were recently talking to A, a good mate uh, Vin from uh, Tempest Rising and uh, we'll be uh, doing. A, we'll be supporting Sedonia from Melbourne. Uh, oh, Sedonia. They supported Slipknot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. supported Slipknot. Yeah. They've toured with Lamb of God. They've toured with Corn. In fact, yeah, uh, Randy from Lamb of God uh, insisted that Sedonia be there. Their support for the, wow. for the entire. That's tour, pretty. So. That's we we did a few shows cool. with Sedonia years ago. Within a moment, yeah. John, oh, and, John and them know them quite well. John and Randy. And, yeah, yeah cool. Danny I didn't them. know they were still around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, cool. yeah. An interesting thing that discovered we discovered the other day is, um, I think they've put together a, a side project called I Am Duck Eye, and they've got this song called Punching Dicks. <laughs> I've Have you seen heard the, of Punching I've, Dicks? I've seen the YouTube clip for punching it. dicks, punching all the dicks, punching dicks, and they're <laughs> fucking literally running around through a back alley, just punching themselves in the dick, <laughs> punching each other in the dick, sack tapping each other, and then at the end, this guy obviously gets whacked too hard in the freaking dick, so he's bending over, just barfing his ring up. <laughs> fucking hilarious. Uh, so they're like a, a legit band? Like, they tour? do they tour and stuff, or are I, they just a piss-take band? I think they're just a piss-take oh, band. Right, yeah, cool. um, yeah, I think Voyager had the, the, the pleasure of playing with them at the SB and... <laughs> 
Melbourne. Uh, don't don't quote me on that, but yeah. I think yeah, Ash was really quite impressed with it all. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, but um, from Morpheus management perspective, we're working on a um a tour for the uh, guys from uh, Weapons. Uh, so Tim Stelter, uh, ah. Sebastian, and Sean Pillar, uh, gentlemen who we hold in very very high esteem. Right. Um. Yes. Yeah, so so essentially, all Dogs of War. Guys. Spot on, dude. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Dogs of War. So yeah, they are. Uh, lost, guys, lost Kyle, guys, unfortunately, yeah. Um, and yeah, decided that they would uh, all do the the vocal duties themselves. So they all have their respective instruments and their internal instruments. So their their voices, and they all they they put on a fairly uh, intense show. The weapons guys. So uh, yeah, the the next uh, few fortnights will be dedicated to to setting that up because uh, weapons have some uh, shows coming up. Uh, pretty soon and they want to sort of use that as a launching pad to get a bit more awareness in Perth about who they are and what they're all about so that's cool Mm. so you you book tours as well yeah well that's uh, I mean which we we sat down and we sort of we we worked out some strategic objectives where we want to take this thing I mean in five years time ultimately we want to be putting on a festival of some sort oh cool in ten years time we want to be making a living off this thing (laughs) it's not something that we're just doing light hearted we want to sort of really tackle it and grab the bull by the horns and really make it work that'd be interesting Um, yeah and yes one of the strategic objectives was to help out bands not only with their management but as far as building contacts are concerned and finding out which venues are the best to play at Mm -hmm. uh, around the country right and really sort of harnessing that to its full full potential yeah that'd be cool like a a, like a a national festival would be cool just for like i guess mid-level bands would be pretty cool nah screw just make it a wa festival East yeah. Coast don't need more festivals. <laughs> Fuck them. They've taken enough from us. <laughs> so when you book Make them come over here. Which, which venues do you like to hit up a wrist? Like the obviously the ESPYs one. Yeah, um, really, it's just early days. We're quite yep. we're quite virginal in that regard. Oh, cool. Um, right. High five bar. Yeah, high five bar is pretty sweet. Yeah. The tote, I understand, is pretty cool. Awesome. Um, yeah, really, sort of starting to get a feel for that. Mm. Really wanting to, uh, yeah take that and point it in the right direction yeah oxford arts factory is pretty cool in uh, sydney although i'm not sure if no yeah they, they they do all sorts of gigs yeah there's there's a lot of great venues over east that mm. yeah. i haven't been to but yeah the sp is definitely a cool one mm-hmm. it's like what two there's like three rooms or something like that oh okay like at, at the sp is it i don't think i've been to the sp <coughs> it's like two something like two levels or something like that is it's right by the the ocean it's really cool and you can just catch a, a tram there, mm. so it's awesome. That's yeah. uh, based in St Kilda, yeah? I think so, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the only one I've been to out of town is the Corner Bar in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. We saw Dope there two years ago, I think. Right, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of good venues that we've lost here, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I remember White Sands. Mm. And the Lookout. The Lookout. Yeah, The Lookout was brilliant. That stage was mm. huge. Yeah, yeah. 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 I saw a lot of metal shows at White Sands. That mm. was like my go-to place. Yeah. yeah, you get a decent crowd there. Mm. Yeah, back yeah. in the days of Discord. And- oh, what Discord, was... Um, yeah. The Furor. What yeah, was yeah, yeah. Danny's first band? Oh, jeez, um, yeah. What was that? Nachtimmel? No. Oh, I don't know. Because mm. I remember that was the first... I first walked into the White Sands and they were playing... A Motorhead song. Huh. 
I can't remember the name of the band now. That was fucking years ago. That's when White Sands went off. Yeah. Yeah. Like metal bands every yeah. weekend. And like, yeah, uh, The Lookout would have a whole pile of international acts as well, like mm. Static X and all that playing yeah. there. Yeah, I yeah. Mudvayne. Oh, yeah, right. hell yeah. Um, yeah, Soulfly, they absolutely set that place on fire, man. It was <laughs> amazing. Um, strapping on Lad. Remember, I was sick as a dog. I had this terrible cold, but went along and loved every moment of it yeah Devin Townsend is just a genius Devin yeah El, El Nino played at Lookout yeah with auto-tune I remember mm. <laughs> <laughs> an auto-tune pedal we can build Perth back up yeah. we'll, we'll leave it up to yeah. you Andy to bring, bring Perth back up <laughs> yeah it's all on you no pressure <laughs> No pressure. Oh, man, these shoulders are broad enough, huh? <laughs> nah, it's, it's, it's certainly up to the, the, the bands uh, in Perth, and they're incredible. Like, I think it's our isolation that makes us so creative. Mm, yeah. Uh, and that that willingness to sort of stand apart from the rest of the country. Um, yeah, I think I think Perth artists in particular are really, really quite talented. Mm. And, yeah, we need to be heard. But, yeah. On an international scale, we're not being heard. Mm. And, yeah, definitely. You know, that's a dream of Morpheus. We want to make sure that these bands are being discovered around the world. Mm. So, I don't know, a band like I said, The Sparrow, why aren't they big in America? Well, obviously, time will tell. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it'd be great to sort of get bands like that out into the mainstream so that people can hear them. Mm. Yeah. It's I only mean, it's only when you leave Perth that you realise how good, like, our scene is, how... Mm our standards are just really high. Mm. Like, sometimes at, like, de- well, yeah, I'd say at a professional level, like, you go even over east sometimes and you're like, eh, not really feeling it. Mm. Yeah, and even just the the uh, the camaraderie and just the, oh, yeah. the community, yeah. how everyone mm. has each other's backs, you know, mm. that, that's really cool. Because I- I've often been over east and just asking to share backline has been a nightmare yeah because people are just like yeah mm. well to give we you an know. idea of the camaraderie i mean yeah or the camaraderie camaraderie whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. it's the same thing um carnival played my 18th birthday party for a carton of carlton draft <laughs> back in 2000 really yes right that's insane they played alongside a band called exigent that rings a bell yeah in yeah. fact uh rob swire and gareth went on to form pendulum yeah, that's right. And the drummer from that band, Exogen, is Carl Thomas from Shock One. Right. So it's all those two bands obviously went on to set the ben- benchmarks in their particular genres of music. Mm. Pendulum in the drum and bass scene, Carnival in the alternative rock, sort of yeah. progressive rock scene. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, I remember playing a, a youth like competition and um, with my old band. It was like an indie band. And uh, a band called the DD Dums were playing, and that was basically Kevin from Tame Impala. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, he went on to win that, to essentially win that competition. I think it was called Antfest. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. actually played with DD Dums in Claremont mm. with Ant. And I remember oh, just being like ago. the the most closed minded cunt about it, because <laughs> I was like, "What is this? Is like just." cream and the Beatles and, and uh and it's real music yeah and I was just like so negative about it like stupidly and then he went on to get signed to Modular and with Tam Impala and um 
Yeah, and I actually regretfully said some shitty things about it on Perth Bands. Uh, and, <laughs> and we've uh, all been there. We've all been there. And, uh, yeah, Kevin actually uh, confronted me in the toilets and said, you know, that's not cool. <laughs> shanked you in the back? He shanked me, yeah. It wasn't perthbands.com that I, I said some terrible things on. I think it was actually uh, Western, Western Front. Front. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you know, Darren is an amazing dude. Mm. Uh, what he has done to sort of promote the Perth scene throughout the country and internationally is, is to be commended. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just you get the odd narrow-minded person who hears a bit of melody in their metal and they shit their pants. Yeah. Oh, my God, you can't put melody in metal. What's this? <laughs> has to be... <laughs> that's so gay. <laughs> yeah. And that's another thing that bugs me, using the word gay to mm. uh, say something is being bad. I'm call gu- call I'm it shit, that. call it crap, don't call it gay. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, I, I, I say it in irony, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. But then... Yeah, yeah. But then I, I, I catch myself just using it without the irony, and I'm like, wait, has this gone so far past that I, I'm just using it now yeah, in yeah. everyday conversation? Because I'd just be like, just, you know, casual conversation, and be like, gay. <laughs> right? And then you're like, wait, wait, was that, was that even like, was there any vague attempt at being ironic, or was I actually using it to, yeah. <laughs> And then you're just like, I don't give a fuck anymore because fuck, you know, fuck being PC about everything. And then you're like, wait, am I contributing to the problem or <laughs> fuck it? Or am, or, or am I just being gay? Am I just being gay? Yeah. Well, yeah. then I must be being gay. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny. Mm. Yeah. Thanks for coming. You're welcome, mm. gentlemen. Yeah, thank thanks you for coming. So that, that, was, that was a really good chat. <laughs> um, yeah, I like talking with, um, yeah, it's been fun. I like talking with everyone and anyone that's trying to make a difference i think the last two or three podcasts has really been like scene focused like how like damo had a massive rant towards the end of um our i think episode 32 i just have to listen to that yeah uh, i don't listen to our own podcast <laughs> fair enough yeah he was basically just talking about how you know if if we want to change stuff in perth we have to take responsibility. Oh, totally. And mm. Because er- everyone's spitting a lot of, you know, Yarn. useful criticisms, but they're mm. not doing anything, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So even as a punter, you're, like, where you spend your dollars is helping, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what shows you go to, just, just showing up at a show is, is helping. Absolutely. So there's no use complaining, you know, oh, Soundwave is gone, Big Day Out's gone, but have, when have you paid for a ticket? Like, you know, yeah, like yeah. everyone's, yeah. <laughs> everyone's kind of like contributing to the problem while not, you know, taking responsibility that yeah. maybe maybe they can, you know, make a change. And I think, yeah, Damo was talking about, you know, this is the time now for local artists, managers, promoters and punters to get innovative about trying new stuff yeah absolutely mm. and in and a place it, like Perth it's yeah, so especially easy to if, try if any stuff. place Perth is almost the place to do that yeah, so. yeah. it's like a great like training ground mm. to cut your teeth on like yeah it's, like it's what I, I was actually going to say it's mm. like the Perth scene it seems a lot more switched on professional of a scene in order to try and push themselves to do things whereas you get you know places like LA East Coast where everyone seems almost lazy because they expect the labels and all the people out there it's so sort of easy for them mm-hmm. whereas people in Perth really have to be almost sort of aggressive and professional about getting somewhere. It's not so just sit back and let it happen sort of thing. Yeah, well, as Gandhi said, be the change that you want to see in the world. Yeah. And that's something that I believe in. Mm. 
And I think um, especially with uh, because our population density is significantly lower, we're kind of forced to do that extra work to get people to come to shows. And I think that is a good foundation to to base yourself on because you learn a lot from from doing that. Absolutely. And and because we're in a, a tougher situation, like you said, we're way more isolated. So yeah, we just have to try harder, and I think that's going to pay off. I think it'll pay off soon. Yeah, absolutely. When everything picks back up, because yeah. Mm. yeah, it's about it's a matter of leading the change and mm. then making sure that the change is then adopted. Mm. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of sort of science and stuff that will go into that mm. in order to make it occur. But yeah, and we'll playing that. more cover songs and more cover songs. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I've sold my soul to the devil, but uh, really, yeah, the whole the whole idea behind King Onion really is to sort of bring those punters in the door that want to hear the cover songs and you have expose them yeah. to the original scene. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we, yeah, that's what we were talking about when we were at the Rosemount. Like this, that gig was a success. So, I mean, people were there, and everyone was just like whispering to each other, "This is fucking mm. cool!" and and the, <laughs> posting the, and tweeting and yeah, spreading yeah. the word, sort of thing. So. And like yeah, you yeah. said, because everyone was was in a band, like you know, for the for, or have been in bands for the past decade, mm-hmm. their profile then adds to that interest, and exactly. then people are like, "Oh, I haven't seen that guy in ages. Let's go down." And then. For, like all of a sudden basically a reunion happened at exactly. that gig like i saw yeah. people that i never saw before mm. like for for years and everyone was just there and and loving it so that was like a little piece of nostalgia so that was awesome yeah mm. sweet ass hell yeah go to the next gig yeah spend your dollars <laughs> come on down <laughs> really it's all just about participation yeah um, it's a it's a two-way thing um you know it needs to be enjoyed by the crowd as much as it is by the the musicians on the stage and mm. there's no egos at stake it really is just a a collaborative thing um you know a whole group of people coming to get, coming together for the common good mm. yeah good really good vibe yeah mm-hmm. cool all right well Hell yeah. thanks again andy thanks andy thank you for having me gentlemen awesome hopefully thanks. we can uh, probably do it again in the future yeah yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. um yeah. anytime you have some shit to talk about or get off I your got chest plenty of shit to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> oh i forgot to say go the blues <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah all right thanks for listening see you goodbye bye-bye bye the mission control podcast Changing the way you listen.